What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on this fine Sunday evening, and joining me as, maybe not usual, but regularly, Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? What's up, Brad? Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure, as always, sir. Uh, it's a it's a sleepy early December night here uh, in Atlanta and Arizona, respectively. Uh, it's, you know... Not like the bombshells we've had to deal with the last couple of weeks with the investigation and all that stuff, and not quite to the winter meetings. So we're in that little bit of a lull. But there was there was some news and stuff to hit on. So this is a it's not a pure news podcast, but like we actually could have just done news and done like thirty minutes, which is a weird change because normally uh, in terms of just actual baseball stuff, it's been a while since that's actually been the case. So it's kind of yeah. almost nice. Yeah, and it seems like, at least across the national landscape, with Otani getting ready to sign, we're recording this on Sunday night, as always, sounds like he's probably down to three or four finalists, should sign here within the next day or two, it at least sounds like, and and the Giancarlo sweepstakes, it, it seems like, I think there was a report that said the deal should get done in the next two or three days, so I think once those two big dominoes fall, um, it's really going to open things up around the league, and, and Anthopolis now running the show, he'll have had three weeks, I believe it is, if not more, to just kind of get a handle on the organization and uh, w- week out from the, the, the winter meetings. Um, I would imagine that things are really going to ramp up both for the Braves and, and out elsewhere too. Yeah, I personally can't wait for the Braves to sign Otani and trade for Stanton in the next couple of days. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. No, uh, there actually was a, a report from Jerry Krasnick that just basically said the Braves are out on Otani like we didn't know that. Uh, he, in, to fair, in fairness to Jerry, he did, he did say uh, to no one's surprise. So, but it was yeah. a uh, it was a thing. I guess Braves fans were at least sort of asking us the last few days, like, any chance Braves get on in this? I'm like, not really. I mean, they they could have. But it would have had to have taken Otani being very dedicated to joining the Atlanta Braves, which right now would be an odd time to be that excited about the, about joining the Atlanta Braves for the same money as everybody else. Well, and if you look at you know literally every team kind of put in a presentation or whatever you want to call it for him, and when you're battling against just the pure cities of San Diego and Los Angeles and Seattle, uh, you're going against some some pretty cool uh, places to live. Um, of course, the the Japanese and Asian population on the West Coast tends to be. You know, the, the, anyone who's ever been to L.A. or San Diego knows it's just pretty amazing. And I, I can't blame a guy if you were moving to the other side of the world. I could see why that would be appealing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where he goes. Uh, thankfully, it sounds like he won't be in the National League East. Um, and if he can avoid the National League altogether, it'll probably help the Braves at some point down the road. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the one thing I did see on Twitter was like, why would he go to San Diego and not Atlanta? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> baseball-wise, the Padres are not, not great. I, I understand that. But... Uh, I've been to San Diego. It's it's a nice place. There's yes. <laughs> there's no way around that. So it's also very there's close no, to Japan. So that also right, and, you know, and it's when it's 75 and sunny about 11 months out of the year with no humidity. Uh, that that plays a factor in it too. But I look, remember, he's a, I remember when Carlos did his uh, did his like uh, internship with MLB.com in San Diego, and we did some podcasts from there uh, when he was uh, doing that. And uh, that was basically all he said. It's like, hey man, it's 77 again and sunny. It's like, yep. Eating yep. fish tacos on the beach. Yeah, that was basically it. So I think he enjoyed himself that summer. But uh, yeah. So all that to say, Otani's not coming to the Braves. Not not a big surprise. Uh, there was a little bit of news, actual, like, semi-big news. I think, actually, if you look at some of these lists that are still out there of guys who were non-tendered, it looks like Matt Adams is, like, the most prominent guy in the entire league that got non-tendered this week. Um, Adams... You know, we can talk about that. The other guys that were non-tender for the Braves were uh, Jace Peterson and Danny Santana. Those guys are fairly obvious. We can hit on those in a second. But what did you think of not tendering Matt Adams' contract, you know, just for a little bit of record-keeping here? He was projected by uh, MLB Trade Rumors and some other places to get about $4.5 million in arbitration, 
which isn't nothing, but it's also not just crazy numbers. Uh, it's sort of a talked about this before before we started recording, but it's sort of a split in Braves country as people as to how people felt about this. So where were you kind of at with not tendering my Adams? I was I was pretty on the fence. I leaned more towards uh, non-tendering him than tendering him. Um, but <clears throat> regardless of whatever decision the Braves made, I wouldn't really be too upset with it. And I think you feel the same way. Um, you know, with Adams, yeah, if Freddie Freeman was to get hurt, he, he's obviously a great backup piece and someone you can slot in at first base right away. But if Freeman does stay healthy, and other than last year with, with the broken wrist on kind of the freak play, um, he's always been somebody who stays healthy. Um, if, if Freddie doesn't get hurt, you pretty much only have Adams as a bench bat, and you figure he's going to get maybe 200 plate appearances at most. And, you know, well, yeah, as you said, four and a half million, five million isn't a ton of money. If it's truly for a bench bat who can only play first base in a pinch, and I guess, you know, left field in an emergency situation, um, I don't really blame the Braves for not committing themselves to five million. Uh, for a player that profiles like that, but I know I'm, I'm, um, you know, there, there are certainly arguments both for and against keeping him and, and getting rid of him. Yeah, I mean, your, your point is well said in that if you project a situation where the Braves have to keep him and pay him four and a half million dollars, that is too much for his for what his role would likely be. You know, Freddie's been very durable outside of last season, and it, it, listen, last year Matt Adams had the best year that he's had in about five years and you know, he was great in Atlanta. He had an 858 OPS and 314 plate appearances, um, you know, 19 home runs. He was very good. Um, but he would not have played nearly that much had not been the free for the Freeman injury. And obviously he would probably wouldn't have been on the Braves. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a situation where because Freddie is so durable and because Adams really is pretty terrible in left field. Like I understand people were making the argument that look at, he, he can play left field too. I'm like, yeah, he, he can, very badly. Um, if you play him in left field, that's not good. Like that's an emergency situation, as you said. Like he can certainly play there if you had a situation where you had no other options. If your guys were hurt and like you had him on the roster, sure. But you can't. That doesn't really add value for him. Like positional versatility is valuable, but only if you're actually decent at it. Um, and he is certainly not that in left field. So yeah, it's. I, I would have done it, frankly, um, only because I'm a little bit more a little more optimistic that that, that Bryce could have traded him for something. But I am totally okay, as you've said before. Like I'm okay with not doing this. It's not like a situation where I'm outraged at all. Like I, I would have kept him and then actively tried to move him. I'm sure the Braves uh, and there was some reporting on this were trying to trade him before the deadline um, to make to make it somebody else's decision. Uh, that way, the team could just decide to pick it up, and that would be a problem. Um, I kind of want you to see like where he lands now because. There is yeah. some real value in a guy like him. I'm not, I'm not sure he's as good as he was last year because in the se- in the pre in the previous couple seasons he was just more uh, more run of the mill average like a you know a high 700 OPS. If he's that guy, he really isn't terribly valuable as a one position player. But if he can really hit in the mid 800s like he did last year, then he's actually like a borderline starting first baseman. So that's actually pretty valuable somewhere, especially in the American League. Yeah, and I, you hit on the American League teams, and he's an American League player, right? You know, he, he if there's a team out there, I know the Indians are in need of kind of a left-handed first base DH type, and he'll he can, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more than a one-year deal. I could see him getting something like two years and, and maybe ten million or so. Um, he's going to have some suitors. It's just again for the Braves having a, a somewhat restricted payroll. You're already committing big bucks, and obviously Freddie Freeman is your franchise. Um, 
I don't blame them for for not keeping him on the books. And we we talked about trading him. It was pretty obvious the whole Freddie to third base decision last year was really motivated by trying to (laughs) – right. It was really motivated by trying to convince teams that the Braves were committed to having Adams at first and Freddie at third. And, of course, then amazingly on August 1st after the deadline passed, uh, guess who moved back to first base? Freddie did. So – uh, I'm sure it, it was not for a lack of effort and, for that matter, a lack of two GMs <laughs> trying to trade the guy because um, we had heard last week they were trying to get rid of him. But, again, I, I would imagine because other teams knew that the Braves weren't real keen on keeping Adams, uh, the offers were you know next to nothing, You know the fringe uh, 28-year-olds in AAA who have okay numbers but aren't really big leaguers. So um, maybe they could have gotten a, you know an okay prospect for him if they would have signed him and held on to him. But, even then, I'm not super confident in that, given his age and only one year left and his kind of lack of ability to do anything other than just swing the bat. Yep, that's about right, and uh, that's exactly why you would argue against doing it. So um, no issue at all. That's the big takeaway for me is that you know, it's, it's fine to not tender him then, and uh, you know, he'll land somewhere and be just fine. Uh, the, the other two guys um, are less interesting but also sort of noteworthy in that they were on the 40-man roster, and that's the decision that the Braves made. Jace Peterson's been around for a while now. Uh, I kind of like Jace, I always have, but they just the bats never really been there. Um, Danny Santana, I looked this up as we were talking a second ago. The last three seasons for Danny Santana, his slash line is 221, 255, 320 for a 575 OPS. Yeah. Uh, that's all you got to know about Danny Santana. I, I know huh. he, he had a very nice rookie year in Minnesota and since then has been a sub-replacement level player. So that yeah. was not a big surprise. You know, Jace, <laughs> I think you could probably talk me into it if they wanted to keep him. But for $2 million, that's more than he should get. I think Jace is a major league player. But he's a minimum major league player, if that makes sense. Like he doesn't need to be paid two million dollars. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if if he lands on his feet with the Braves or with somebody else. But you know, if if he's to get a non guaranteed deal, and if he's in the big leagues making you know just short of a million dollars, seven hundred fifty eight hundred k or something like that, that wouldn't surprise me. He can play pretty much anywhere on the field, other than uh, probably shortstop and center field, and even in a pinch, he could probably do that. So. Um, I do like Jace. He's shown that he's at least a competent big leaguer. Um, but yeah, for for two million, the Braves would be overpaying. And I think uh, they, as long as as well as Jace, know that um, I think the door is still open there if they want to have a reunion, just at a much lesser you know much lesser lesser cost and probably without the guaranteed spot on the roster. Yeah, I'd be totally cool with bringing him back on a non-guaranteed deal just for a little bit of uh, record-keeping here as well. The, you know, the three years Jace has been in Atlanta, his uh, OPS is 650 in over 1,000 plate appearances. That's kind of what he is, uh, and that's not a major league starter, obviously. The, the only, his big value is that he's a great athlete, can play everywhere, and if he's the last guy on your bench, you're fine. Like yeah. That's the kind of role he should be in, um, and he'd be fine in that role in Atlanta. Um, the Braves don't have exactly the perfect roster to have that guy around, but somewhere I, I think Jace should be on a team somewhere as like the 24th or 25th guy which is fine um, there's some value in that and uh, especially if you can just play everywhere which you kind of said uh, just a little last thing here on the non-tender slash arbitration front the Braves still have four guys that have arbitration uh, stuff coming Mike Fultonavich, Sam Freeman Aroidis Viscaino and Daniel Winkler uh, still have our stuff coming uh, none of those guys are going to be getting away obviously but uh, especially Fulte and Aroidis, those numbers should always be interesting because those guys are high-profile players. You know, Viscaino has been hot and cold, uh, let's just say, to keep it uh, kind. You know, when, yeah. he's, when he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's bad. Uh, but he's, you know, he's the, he's the most famous reliever on the roster still, especially because we'll talk about the other guy in a minute that's not on the roster anymore. But, uh, I mean, anything to talk about there other than just keep an eye on those guys? 
I, I think so. They're all going to get you know modest raises through arbitration, and it's all pretty standard. Um, historically, the Braves try to cut a deal before going to arbitration. We'll see. I, I can't imagine any of those four guys wanting outrageous money. Yeah, I mean that would. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> especially right now, I don't think they're going to get uh, anything crazy with those four players. Uh, I, I teased this a second ago that Jim Johnson is no longer a member of the Braves. Uh, this is a mild surprise to me. Not that the Braves wanted to trade him, but that they, but that they were actually able to without really eating a lot of money. Uh, yeah. They saved the four and a half million on Johnson. They trade him. Um, yeah, they basically got some. They, they traded him along with bonus pool money for essentially a non-prospect. Um, well, not a non-prospect completely, but a guy who was outside the top thirty in a yeah. <laughs> so like bad a, angel system. Yeah. yeah, it's he's a it's a left-hander. He uh, he was I, I think he, I think I saw the stat was he pitched at seven different levels last year. It was five different levels, but seven different uh, stints. So he was kind of all over the place. Yeah, um, let's yeah. just say this: the, the trade was about trading Jim Johnson and not having to give and not having to pay him essentially. Yeah, and you know it was only it made sense for the Braves to. I mean, really, this deal was about the Angels getting a million. It was a one point two million in international spending money. Obviously, the Angels are going to spend, and the Braves can't. So, but hey, it saves four and a half million. It that's money that can be spent elsewhere for the Braves. Um, I was surprised when I when I saw it come down. And they we got, all were. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, that you know, I kind of actually was this past week. I did the uh, five off season questions and. I wrote about the bullpen, and I, I think my Jim Johnson tidbit was, well, they're probably not going to be able to get rid of him, so you just kind of hope that he can survive seventh innings next year and, and you know salvage a little bit of his value. So, hey, $4.5 isn't nothing. They could use that to you know add a bench piece, a, a bullpen piece. They could do it in a bigger deal. Um, so it's significant, again, because they, they obviously won't be doing much uh, spending on the international market anytime soon. Uh, it made sense to get rid of. I think that was actually the the total allotment that they had was the 1.2 million. So they've kind of cleared the bank out in that sense. But uh, four and a half million for Jim Johnson. It's you know hopefully he's able to bounce back because he doesn't seem like a bad guy or anything. But clearly you know from last July on he just he was not a serviceable big league pitcher. Yeah, it fell apart. And listen, this happened to Jim Johnson before. So. Um, in his minor defense here, I'm not 100% sold that he'll never be a major league pitcher again. Like he, before early in his career, he kind of fell apart and then got it back together and was legitimately good for a while for yeah. the Braves. So yeah. he might come back, but uh, you did not want to the Braves. Getting off of that was a priority. Clearly, they clearly were not uh, exactly excited to pay the four and a half million to him um, next year. And uh, getting off of it, with, you know, the, the bonus pool money is a you know a, sort of a winding road with, with the sanctions. But you know, this is a great deal. I would say. I'm all about, um, you know, payroll is not, it's not necessarily about saving Liberty money, but it's one of those things where I think we kind of know that it's going to be a, a semi-firm payroll. So it's not a salary cap necessarily with the, at the Braves in the way that it would be somewhere else with the NFL or the NBA, but uh, that four and a half million can be used elsewhere and it wouldn't necessarily have been there otherwise. That's kind of the easiest way to put it. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, I, you know, I mentioned the bullpen piece and there are some, some pretty intriguing arms in the bullpen mix. Um, guys who certainly have a little more upside and potential than than a Jim Johnson at this point in his career. So it did open up a spot on the 25-man roster, a spot on the 40-man roster, and, and we've touched on the money. So I'm a fan. I, I was happy to see him go, and hopefully they're able to use that money elsewhere. No question about it. Um, elsewhere in terms of news this week, uh, the Braves picked up Chase Whitley from the Rays. Uh, and yeah. Basically interesting uh, in that he has some uh, money coming to him if he's going to be in the majors, but the Braves worked out a deal for him before they had a tender officially, if that's um, what I'm reading here. 
Um, a pretty cheap uh, flyer, but uh, a guy who's been a, in the in the big leagues before and is not like nothing. This is not a guy who is going to move the needle and you know hugely nationally. But like if things worked, he could be a very useful piece. Yeah, I was I was intrigued by the signing. Um, Eno Saris, who writes for Fangraphs and a whole bunch of outlets, um, he wrote of Whitley. Uh, he has a legit three picks three pitch mix, not good velocity on the fastball, and has a little bit of a, an iffy health. Uh, track record, um, but definitely has the pitches to start. And he said, I bet he will be good in the NL. Of course, he was coming from uh, Tampa Bay and probably the best uh, offensive division in baseball with the Yankees and Sox and everything. So he's intriguing. I mean, uh, Ken Rosenthal said he was going to be given a chance to start, which was kind of a surprise considering he's never really started with any kind of consistency in the big league level. He was more of a reliever, but I mean, hey, I'm sure he'll be given a chance in the spring to compete for the fifth spot in the rotation. Um, and really, at the moment, unless they bring somebody in, and they probably will, but at the moment, other than Max Fried and Lucas Sims, I mean, that's kind of it for that for that fifth spot. So an interesting guy. If it doesn't work out in the rotation, he, he kind of is in that Josh Colmenter build where he could throw you a couple innings at a time. Um, let's all hope that he's better than Josh Colmenter was, but... Um, an interesting signing that I think he $800,000 if he makes the big league roster. So he's pretty cheap. Uh, you know, if you can steal a, if you can steal a reliever for the whole season off waivers uh, this time of year, it's generally doing something smart. Yeah. I think it's just an interesting situation where Whitley, it sort of saves you the money that it would take to go out and sign the $5 million guy, like in the R.I. Dickey mold. Like if, if he hits, then sure. You know, I think the thing about him having a chance to start is what threw everybody off and the reporting about that. Um, but at the same time, like, I think it's not that big of a deal if he doesn't. Like, I don't know. It's it's no money. He was pretty good last year in Tampa Bay as a reliever, granted, but he has been a starter in his life before. The, the talent is there to for it to hit. If he's not great in spring training, they'll make him in the long man or they'll just cut him. Like, there's no... There's no real risk here, and the talent is great enough. Like he was a legit prospect back in the day, like not a hugely like top end prospect, but like you know he made 12 starts for the Yankees as a rookie. Like he didn't. Granted, that was not exactly the most lights out stint in the history of the world, but his peripherals were decent. He's uh, he's fine, and like you know the Braves were always going to bring in somebody. Maybe it's Chase Whitley that hits, and maybe it's somebody else. They'll probably add another veteran arm somewhere along the way, but. This is another fine uh, sort of entrant into the into the mix as, as a potential fifth starter if everything goes right, and if not, you know maybe a long man. Yeah, for the money, I'd rather it be him than signing somebody for three million. Right, right? it makes sense. And or five said, or seven or the you know the Ari Dickey contract, which was eight or whatever it was, like yeah, or Bartolo for twelve. Yeah, that's I mean, it, it makes sense. The I always like to kind of look at the reaction from the other fan base whenever you sign a, a team's player and. For the most part, Rays fans were pretty bummed and were sad to see him go and were confused as to why you know they let him go but kept others on the 40-man roster. So um, that's better than the alternative, you know, the alternative of, you know, God, good luck with that. So hopefully it works out again. It's not high stakes if it doesn't work out. Um, but here's hoping the Braves are able to turn him into, if not a you know, a starter than a long man out of the bullpen. Yep, that's a very useful thing, and uh, yeah, if it works, it works. That'll be a and you know, Anthopolis he will look like a genius if that actually hits into actually being something. Because we we talked a lot on this podcast. I know we have on Twitter as well, both of us, about just the value of having a competent, you know, just uh, just a monetary value of having a competent back end starter and what those guys actually command on the market. Um, yeah, Whitley, if Whitley hits, it's be it's gonna be a great value, and if not, you know, throw you know throw it away and start over again, kind of thing. Um, 
lastly, in terms of players, Rex Brothers is back. Uh, he was not good last year from an ERA, an ERA standpoint, a 7.23 ERA, uh, but he gets a contract that's about $1 million if he makes the Major League Club next year. There are some signs that he could be decent. He's been de- he's been decent in the past. Um, people were really upset about this because they saw they, all they see is his ERA <laughs> from last year. But like everybody, calm down, basically. Yeah, you know he's a le- he's a veteran lefty who throws hard. He had good strikeout numbers. He struck out more than twelve batters per nine uh, last year in a pretty limited stint. He's only twenty nine. Um, again, it was low stakes. I think if he's on the uh, for one point one million, if he's on the big league roster, so it's not like they gave him a big contract, right? So um, he, you know, he fared pretty well against lefties, and you know, of course, now that falls on Brian Snicker not to let him, to, you know, let him get destroyed by by righty hitters next year. But uh, he could be a useful left-handed arm out of the pen, and uh, you know, he he is one of a handful of guys who are going to battle for a spot uh, next spring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just another arm, and again, it's one million dollars. It's not like they were paying, and that's but and that's only if he's on the major league club. It's probably less than that in terms of the actual risk that the Braves right. are putting forth here. Like, if he falls apart, if he looks terrible in spring, they'll just cut him. And if he doesn't, like, you could get a guy who is worth a lot more than that. Like, he's he's been a pitcher in the past that's been a lot. It's been worth a lot more than that. His peripherals are decent from last year. The results were bad, and uh, candidly, I did not enjoy watching him pitch a whole lot no. last year. So, like, he might just be bad. That's that's on the table, but I, I think it's you know a, a million dollar risk in the bullpen, a bullpen that needs some help desperately, and that's something that I know Copy talked a lot about before he was uh before his tragic end, um, and people basically have to acknowledge just how bad bullpen was last year. They were really uh, coming into the year that was not supposed to be a huge weakness for the Braves, and it ended up being a huge weakness for the Braves. Um, they probably they probably lost an extra three or four games last year because the bullpen was terrible. And if you just if you just sure that up, and um, you know some of it's always unpredictable because bullpens are always volatile by nature, but they have some real room to grow in the bullpen. And if brothers can help them do that as like the second or third lefty, if everything works out, that's that's just fine. Yeah, it was a as we said a, a low risk signing, and a, I'm in favor of it. I, I can't, it's not going to really backfire on the Braves. And hey, if it doesn't work out in the spring, you cut him, you shake hands, and you go the other way. Yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, I like that move, even if it's not something that's super sexy. Um, last thing in terms of uh, just procedural stuff, the Braves had a really interesting um, front office thing that happened this week, sort of under the radar. Uh, you know, they parted ways with Adam with Adam Fisher uh, after AA took the job as the uh, as the president of baseball ops or whatever his title is uh, to bring in Andrew Tinnish from the Blue Jays, who had worked, um, I guess, for Anthopolis when he was back there a couple of years ago. Uh, and then later this week, Tinnish actually backed out and elected to stay in Toronto. This is a yeah. guy that's not going to be moving the needle at all just because, you know, guys who are not the GM in front offices normally don't make a ton of noise unless they're named after John Sherholtz. Like, he's the only guy in the system that people actually know whose name is because it's John, John Sherholtz Jr. But it's just kind of weird because, you know, I think he cited family concerns and then basically not wanting to uproot, which I totally understand. But it's a kind of a weird situation when you, you part a ways with a guy who – was brought in, you know, just a couple of months ago in Fisher to bring in this other guy who is now not coming, and apparently they're not going to replace him, which is a little bit interesting as well. Yeah, I was really surprised by this. It was, I, I think, when I saw it, I said out loud, "What the hell?" You know, it, I don't know. <laughs> I know they attributed it to, uh, his, you know, family re- personal reasons, and who knows, right? I mean, it's just kind of weird. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't a personal thing, and he, you know, after kind of seeing firsthand at what the Braves front office was looking at the next couple of years, he he got cold feet. Maybe it was the wife and kids at home 
threw a fit and I made tend to believe change. that by the way I, I really I, I tend to think that having I've actually known a few people that this happened to where they you take a job and like then the reality sets in that your your family has to move and like you might get kind of bullied into staying by your family not in the worst not a bad way but like you know that's a big move sure. especially yeah, for is. a guy who's I mean, you're making you're making good money as an assistant GM or something of that of that way, but you're not making the like life changing uh, right. millions that you would be at the top of the front office. So, like, you know, if you have a comfortable spot in a city and you have a house and all that fun stuff, like, I, I totally get it. It's just it's just weird because it, it doesn't happen all that often at this kind of level. Yeah, especially going from Toronto to Atlanta too. That's certainly a culture change and. You know, we forget from afar, we see these guys and they're almost like robots, right? Like you forget that they have families and kids and wives and health issues and school issues and, you know, moving and all this stuff. So who knows what the real cost was? As you mentioned, it's not like the Braves just lost their GM here. You know, he was uh, well regarded without the industry, throughout the industry, but I'm sure that Anthopolis will have other guys that he's worked with over, you know, the last couple of years where he'll bring them in and, and, uh, it, it was just kind of weird, I guess, would be my my easiest way of wrapping it up here. In a couple a couple words. Yeah, it was very strange, and you know, no analysis to do other than it's kind of strange that they're not replacing him. But you know, front office dynamics are always interesting, and uh, you know, I kind of feel bad for Adam Fisher because he came he came and was here for a couple of months only, and that was it. Um, yeah, but yeah. you know, you have to think about this stuff. Every once in a while, you kind of this kind of forces you to think about these guys as as human beings, and it's kind of strange. Especially when you're not again making that kind of like you know these guys aren't making five million dollars a year in that role, um, so not not the easiest thing in the world. But you know hopefully he'll, he'll be he'll be okay in Toronto and the Braves will be fine without him here. Um, away from the news a little bit, uh, this is sort of a news thing, but uh, apparently Anthopolis did an A-list event. For those of you who don't know this, for some reason the Braves season ticket holders are called the A-list members, um, and a couple of people on Twitter, including uh, Stacy who is at Sim Solo, so shouts to her. For, they passed along a lot of what was said here. Uh, we were not there, candidly, so this is all secondhand. But so I don't, I don't want to say like that we're reporting all of this, but it's worth discussing because it kind of made the rounds, made into some blog posts, all that fun stuff, and uh, it's still available. And nobody was refuted it, so I'm going to say it's probably true. Uh, <laughs> some of the highlights there. Uh, the biggest one for me in here, and this is a pr- it's perfect. It's a perfect podcast topic because we don't have to be responsible and like link to it and all that fun stuff. We can just talk about it. I, I, I said what it is, and she passed it along, and it's great. Um, anyway. The, the, the number one highlight for me was that Anthopoulos said that the most important aspect on the current roster was improving the defense. He was prompted about that, and that was his response. Uh, that was a, an eyebrow raiser for me in that uh, that pretty much screams to me uh, the core outfield spots because the defense everywhere else is pretty fine. I mean, catcher's been solidish, with, especially with Flowers framing. Freeman is Freeman, he's fine. Middle infield's been fine. Dansby makes too many errors, but he'll he's fine. You know, all that stuff. Ender's obviously great, so... It's basically, hey guys, we're really bad on defense in the corner outfield spots. Yeah, I mean, it was music to my ears when I heard that. Same. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, any team that's not looking at the way that defense is kind of changing the game, it's going to be left behind. Um, you know, now obviously guys have to be able to do things more than just go catch the ball for nine innings a night, but I think it's at least the the right mindset to have. And you know, we've all seen how valuable somebody like Ender and Ciarte. How many? You know, how many times has Ender saved a pitcher's butt over the just the two years, you know? And, Several. <laughs> right. And when you see Matt Kemp or, or Matt Adams or Nick Markakis, whoever it is in the outfield, it hurts. I mean, it's the reason that Evan Gaddis was, was traded. He has a great bat he can hit, but he just can't play the field. It's hard to play in the National League. So, 
that was encouraging. It's it's easier said than done because almost every team values defense, but hopefully it's a sign of things to come with you know with the impending moves this winter. Yeah, it's encouraging both because he realizes the value of defense and because the it's ex- extremely obvious to me at least that the corner outfield spots are the ones he would be subliminally talking about in that sense. Um, to that end, John Morosi of Fox and other places this week reported that the Braves actually talked to the Blue Jays um, a little bit about trading in Marquecas there. Uh, he does report the talks failed to advance, but at least the Braves are sort of marketing Marquecas. Um, only one year left on his deal, $11 million. My thoughts are well documented on Marquecas, but at least that was sort of newsy that they were at least talking about openly. I'm not sure how, how Anthopoulos feels about Marquecas, but the fact that he's already looking to move him doesn't necessarily mean that He's going to give him away, but it doesn't mean that they're like locked into keeping him as well, which is kind of all I can ask for because you know he's. Like we all kind of know he's, he's going to be easier to move than Kemp just because of yeah. the duration. Um, yeah. Just whether they can actually do it without without paying him some of the money is is the big question. Yeah, you know, look if, if obviously Matt Kemp would be the better guy to move of, of the two, but if they can get rid of Marcakis and unload, even you know. 75% of that contract and to use that money elsewhere. It opens up a spot for, for Ronald Acuna, of course. Um, I'm all in favor of it. And if for some reason the Braves aren't able to move Marcakis, it's not the end of the world. You know, I mean, he's making a good amount of money next year, but it's not as if he signed for another three years. It, you know, you don't want Marcakis hitting second or, or fourth or, or fifth in your lineup as he did for a lot of last year. Um, but if, if the Braves are able to make some modest moves and hit him seventh or eighth, you know, that's not the worst place in the world for him. His defense is what it is. He, you know, he's not the, the most, uh, he doesn't have the most range in the world and his arm strength isn't great, but you know, he's not an unplayable player at this point. Whereas, you know, when Matt Kemp's hamstrings are bothering him and, and when he's out of shape, he really is pretty unplayable. Uh, cause at that point you're just kind of hoping that he runs into one and hits a homer. Yeah, Marquecas is not inspiring, but he doesn't murder you usually. Like Kemp can make you just look, just feel silly, um, and he requires him being on as a power guy. Whereas Marquecas, the the production level is never good, and it's only slightly above replacement level. But you kind of know what you're getting all the time from him. He's going to get on base. Um, yeah. I wish he'd hit higher in the lineup because that's his only marketable skill is getting on base. But yeah, he's you know at eleven million dollars, he's overpaid. But it's a, now it's a one year contract. It's going to drive me less insane than it used to. The only way it will drive me absolutely nuts is if he's blocking Acuna, because that will drive me crazy, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Acuna is going to be up and playing. Um, but still, that's uh, Marquecas. It's kind of funny. Everybody else is more fed up with him now than I am. Uh, I was there two years ago, or really when the contract was signed. I hated it at the time, and I've never stopped hating it for any length of time. Um, but now it's it's one year and eleven million dollars, and he isn't worth that. But it's a one year contract. It's it's fine. yeah. And and I know I say it, and it's not a crutch, but you know, look, the this team is not winning the World Series next year, right? It's 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 not like Nick Markakis is going to be what holds the Braves back from from winning the National League East or, or winning the World. You don't Series know that, or, Scott. A lot of Braves I know. fans, are, they, a lot of Braves, can, they, they get mad when we say that kind of stuff. It's like, I know. I, well, if we're just if it is, realistic, guys. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying it's uh, it's literally impossible. It's just very unlikely. I will be there at the parade with a big old Nick Markakis sign and jersey on if he leads the Braves to the World Series. You could but, stay. You could stay at my uh, house, Scott. <laughs> there you I, go. I walk yeah. Walk to town if that happens. Um, yeah. So, you know, one year, ten million, eleven million. I, I think that I, I do think there's probably a little bit of a market for him. As we've mentioned, he's not making a ton of money. He's a solid hitter. 
you know, he's, he's the definition of average over his last 1,000 plate appearances. His WRC plus is 101, which isn't unplayable. Um, you know, yeah, you don't want him sprinting down a ball in the gap because he's probably not going to get there, but he'll, hit the, he'll catch the stuff that's hit at him. You know, he has enough of an arm that as long as the ball isn't, you know, if, if as long as the ball outside of being popped up, you know, runners aren't going to be testing him every single chance. So, um, not the end of the world if he's not traded, but it would be nice to to get him off the off the payroll and to open up that roster spot. And by the way, uh, it's funny if they're unable or unwilling in the case of maybe Liberty's unwilling to pay these guys. If they go into the season with both of them on the roster, uh, Markakis is the kind of player where it's actually okay if he's not starting, like and he's on your roster. Like with Matt Kemp, you cannot have a twenty plus million dollar player on your roster if you're the Braves and you have a limited payroll and have him not, have that guy not playing. Yeah. Marquecas, if they had Ronald Acuna up and he's suddenly your fourth outfielder, um, I don't know that he would love that because he's probably a prideful guy. You kind of have to be to be as confident as you have to be to become a pre- professional athlete. But he's the kind of guy who actually would be a fine bench-ish guy. I don't know. It's, it's a weird situation. I hope that's not going to happen because I think – I actually think I'm, – I'm, I'm optimistic now that the Braves are going to move one of these guys. Um, but if they don't, Marquecas not blocking Acuna is kind of all I need to see. If he's on the roster and Acuna's playing, then whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and I get where you're going with the whole you know fourth outfielder thing. I, I can't imagine it really happening. Me but I just but saying it. Yeah, you on the can't. Record. It's hard to flat out bench Matt Kemp and the 22 million he makes a year. You know, I, I was saying earlier in the week that the idea of just flat out releasing Kemp is probably the best baseball move for the team but i know the baseball move and then the you know the realistic financial side of it too is obviously going to play a part yep um it, it's it's funny if you want to if you want to talk yourself into it because acuna is going to be making absolutely no money you can just say look acuna is the guy you're paying 11 million dollars to marquez is the guy you pay what one million dollars to it's kind of funny like combined payment in right field 11 right. million dollars <laughs> Right. One guy's good and the other guy's not. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> without getting too deep into that, that's that's that. Uh, you know, other quick hitters from that A list event is that uh, Anthopoulos apparently told the crowd that he turned down the head of baseball ops roles in Minnesota and Arizona after 2016, which is noteworthy because he was not in charge in Los Angeles, and for him to be yeah. turning down those jobs uh, shows that he was choosy and he liked the situation in Atlanta. It wasn't like he was desperate desperate to have that kind of job because if he turned down two of them, he was patient. Yeah, you know, it's he, he is certainly well regarded as, as any young executive in, in baseball, right? And I think it was Keith Law who said the other day in his chat how the Braves kind of stumbled into Anthopolis, considering yep. everything that's gone wrong over the last two or three months. Um, the fact that they were able to land him and he was interested and the timing is right and, you know, the money worked out and he, you know, he was able to leave L.A. and you know, he's talked fondly of his time in L.A. and has said he's grown as a front office person, just kind of seeing and working alongside all the really smart people in L.A. So hopefully it all works out. I think on paper all the right moves have been made, but uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding, if you will. We'll see what kind of moves are made. And again, he's somebody who's never been shy and, and hopefully he's able to make some moves and at least kind of inch the Braves towards, uh, towards that 500 mark because I think there's always that bridge season from being a not very good team to being a contending team. Um, it's pretty hard to just flip the switch overnight. Not that it's impossible. We all saw the Twins lose 100 games, then and then you know win 85 and, and make the wild card game last year. But there is kind of a process most of the time, and 
I would like to see the Braves at least make some of those moves this winter to, to put them more towards respectability in 2018 and then see what happens beyond. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be uh, interesting to monitor, but there is that. Um, last thing on the pod before I let you get out of here, man. Um, we got a question that we've gotten a few times uh, over the past, but you know, lots changed since then, and Patrick Mollett uh, brought it to our attention, and he says, and I quote, so since it's like the third year in a row that Chris Archer trades, scenarios are a thing. If the Braves were to trade for Archer, will, will it take at least two of the top pitchers in the system? Uh, and that's uh, what he says are Soroka, Allard, and Wright. Or would it be Allard and Freed and another guy? Like what, Basically, the question is what do you think it would take to get Chris Archer? And mm-hmm. this is a question we talked about a lot because you know Archer was really in the news last year. It's not really picked up quite yet as much as it has been in the past this year, but there's already that stuff percolating where the Rays would be open to trade him. He's 29 years old. Um, you know, he's locked up for still uh, two more seasons. Is it three more seasons or two more seasons? I need to look this up. Um, Archer is, he's signed through 20, I pulled it up, uh, through 2021. So he's 18, 19. Yes. And at an average of about 8 million because next year's six. The year after that's seven and a half. 2020 is nine and 20, 2021 is 11. So. So there's he's about that. as cheap as it goes. Yeah. He's, yeah. 20, he's 29. You know, the last two years, his ERA has, has been about four. But the uh, the peripherals are much, much better than that. Last year, he's a four-and-a-half win pitcher, according to Fangraphs. Uh, yeah. A massive strikeout guy. Very durable. Never been hurt in the in the, in the last four or five years since he's been an established starter in yes. uh, Tampa Bay. So, Something against yeah. the American League East for 40% of your games. You know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Yeah. Right. So we all know he's good. Uh, he's cheap. And that, as a result, his value's off the charts. The Braves are one of the few teams that have the stockpile that it would take to get a guy like that. But I don't know, without breaking it down too far here, we're, and we're guessing, but what kind of ammo do you think it would have to take? Is, is this a situation where you have to be trading – um, you know, all the guys in all the world to get Chris Archer? Is it three of the top 10 guys? Is it, how much is it? Boy, if I'm the Rays and I, it's easy, you know, from a Braves perspective. Yeah, sure. That sounds great for them. But if I'm the Rays, I can't imagine getting rid of Chris Archer without getting an Ozzy Albies or a Ronald Acuna back. You know, I mean, we've all seen how volatile pitching prospects are. Why would you trade, you know, your franchise ace for anything other than the moon, right? I mean, they're not really motivated to trade him. He's even though the Rays have a small payroll, he fits into that payroll, making him even more valuable. Uh, if I had to guess, I would guess something like an Ozzy Albie's, uh, one of the top guys between Soroka, Allard, Wright, and Gohara. One of those, so Albie's one of those four, kind of the middle tier pitching prospects you know after that like a Tuki Toussaint maybe um, or a Ricardo Sanchez or, or something like that and then maybe a fringe you know prospect or two after that I mean he's not going to be cheap right he, four years of control as long as he stays healthy you're probably looking at a in the National League a 15 to 20 win player over the next four years those are really valuable and hard to find uh, I could be wrong I could be overvaluing him I could be undervaluing him but if you're the Rays and you have 29 other teams who are, would be interested, at least in theory, in Archer, you're not going to give them up for anything other than the moon. And, and I would imagine of the Braves, they would ask for at least one of the, you know, I don't want to call them guaranteed, but, but very likely to be good young kids between Acuna and, and Ozzy. Um, and then of the pitching prospects, at least one of the top tier guys that for that, you know, the four that I mentioned. So 
it would be a lot. He's also a really good pitcher, and he signed for four more years, and you're not going to get him for nothing. So, right. It would I be mean, a, yeah. I think the big takeaway is that you know all Braves fans are going to want to pull this off without trading Albies or Acuna. Sure. That yeah. seems unlikely. I mean, I, I'm sure you. I don't know if you gave him four of the top ten guys that are not those guys, maybe. Um, but that's a lot. I, it's a lot either way. But I, I think it's kind of funny in that. Braves fans would have probably done this quick, always quicker if they had not already seen Albies be good in the major leagues. But right. now, now that they've seen him and they're penciling in him as the full-time second baseman and they know that he's there, um, that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, how about this? It's something that's, uh, it was sort of floated to me as a, a very amateur, uh, this is a non-writer friend of mine talking about this. What if, they, what if they traded somebody like Dansby in one of these deals? What kind of value does Dansby have right now? Because yeah, I don't know. That's I, a good question. Like, does Dansby have more value than than Albies or less? I think it's less. I think, given his age, yeah, I think it's less. So, like, would you? I wish. Just, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to ask for feedback here, and maybe in the comments of the post or something like that on Talking Chop. But like, it's not really necessarily like a who has more value, but like, who would you rather include in a trade like this? Like, not necessarily for Archer, but. For the guy that you like, if it comes down to it and you have to trade one of those two guys as part of one of these deals, would you rather trade Dansby or Albies? Because Dansby was awesome his first year and then wasn't awesome yeah. last year. He was, he was fine at times, but not, all, not awesome. Ozzy was great, but it's a very small sample. He's also younger. Um, maybe not, doesn't have, maybe doesn't have the, uh, I don't know. It's a lot of, it's very interesting. They're very different players that also play the same position. I think Albies' ultimate value would be highest if he was playing shortstop, which he's not right now. So yeah. yeah, all these questions are kind of interesting, but I, I I can't help but think about that as a thought experiment a little bit because I am totally with you. If if you're the Rays, you have to try to get a position player, a, a high yeah. end position player in that. Maybe it's not one of those guys. Like who? I mean, who would be the next guy? Like if the Braves didn't trade Acuna or Albies in that and that or or Swanson, I guess in that trade, like who would be their number one asset as a position player right now? Right, probably Kyle. Right, yeah. I mean, as position players. Who is it? Uh, I don't even know who it is. I mean, there, I mean, there's guys that we like, but like, there's nobody right. on that kind of. I mean, especially, I mean, especially now that they don't have. I guess my time would have been maybe like the next guy yeah. like that. I mean, Austin Riley was the highest of, of and all he's the divisive, like right. Super and divisive. no one's gonna center a deal for your ace around an Austin Riley, right? Yeah. I mean, or or like a Christian Pache, or or I mean, those are not guys you trade. I mean, why would you imagine if the Braves had Chris Archer and you're looking to you know to trade him away? Even to the, you know, imagine Julio Tehran trading him two years ago, right, when his value was at the absolute highest. You're not going to center a trade for him around some pitching prospects and then a, you know, an, a promising but not, you know, Austin Riley is not Ronald Acuna, right? I mean, he, he's not an elite prospect. He's an interesting one. But as you said, divisive was, was absolutely the right word. And I just, if you're the Rays and you have 29 other teams to offer you, why would you settle for anything less than the, you know, than whatever you want, right? You can almost name your price because you know some team out there is going to give up basically whatever they want. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think there's always going to be a part of this that's going to be inherently like if you're a Braves fan, you don't want the you want the Braves to get a great deal. I, I totally get that. We're we're trying to be as as reasonable as possible and like kind of let you guys know what it's going to take. I don't think there's a deal out there that doesn't include Albies or maybe yeah. maybe Swanson, like. It would have yeah, to be. They're not. Him. They're not going to trade Acuna. They're not yeah. trading Acuna. We know that. Um, yeah. It would have to be like the deal of all deals, and that's not Chris Archer. Um, yeah. I like Chris Archer a lot. They're not trading Acuna for Chris Archer, but 
everybody else has to be kind of be on the table in that kind of trade. And to answer your question, <laughs> I would probably gun to my head if I could only keep one. I think I would keep Ozzy and get rid of Dansby. But That's, again, I don't I don't know what Dansby's what Dansby's value is right now, given the last twelve months or so. Right. It's be, that's a, that's a very popular opinion. I have a feeling. Um, I'll say this: it's going to be a very big season for Dansby Swanson, which we'll, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about a lot between now and April. But he'll be 24. We've seen him be good. We've seen him not be good. And like, it's not that it's over if he doesn't play well this year. But his value will be hit a lot right. if he's not good well, this year. Well, and if we were having this same conversation a year ago. The notion of trading Dan's response, and I mean, people would, yeah. would laugh at us. It's like, wild. would log on to the Talking Chop comment section just to laugh. I mean, they do that anyway, but they do that just <laughs> to laugh at us, right? I mean, they would go, You guys are nuts. I want whatever you're smoking. So, uh, who knows? Uh, I'm with you. I think it's a big year for Dansby. Um, it's going to be an interesting one because he showed flashes of being the guy who he was in 2016, um, but he was really, really not very good last year. Um, I'm interested to see it. We haven't heard it come out yet. I still think his back injury in the spring was yep. worse than what was let on. He was crushing the ball. He had like an 1100 OPS for the first two weeks of the spring, which doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme. And then he got hurt and it was going to be like a day to day thing. And then he missed like two and a half weeks and didn't hit after that in the spring. And obviously didn't hit during the season, except for, you know, little stretches at a time. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's it's a coincidence, but I want to believe that the back injury was worse than we thought, or it really just kind of screwed up his his year. Uh, obviously, his mechanics were out of whack early on, so we'll see. Hopefully, you know he has all the pedigree in the world, he has a good makeup, he says all the right things. Um, he certainly looked the part, you know, coming up through the minors. But uh, hopefully, he's able to turn it around, and, and obviously, uh, it's a big year for Ozzy as well in second. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I thought that was, a, was something that was uh, fun to end on. It's a very good podcast topic. People always want us to talk about trade rumors and stuff that's uh, a little bit more off the wall. And it's always hard to like come up with trades because it's like a lot, we, a lot of the questions we're getting right now are like, who should the Braves trade for? End of sentence. And it's like, well, <laughs> guys that are good. Uh, that's the answer. Chris Harcher would be great. Mike Trout and Chris Harcher and Jen Carlo. Right. It's just uh, it's hard until like – Scott and I are not going to be breaking news. Like occasionally, I will actually hear something that's of use, but I, rare, very rarely, slash never, is that going to be something that I can actually report on. Um, you know, on the Hawks side, I'm a little bit more sourced up. Um, I'll tell you that. So <laughs> I could actually break something on the Hawks occasionally. Uh, whereas the Braves, we're kind of relying on people to uh, report things, and then from there we can speculate and have informed opinions on stuff like when people report that Chris Archer is in the mix for the Braves, we could talk about what we just did, um, what it might take or like what we, what we would actually do. Uh, but as actually, as far as going around the league and just picking guys out, same thing. People were asking us about the rule five and like looking for guys, the Braves should look to claim. And it's like, man, you got to tell me who's available. Like you got to give me a list or, yeah. uh, otherwise, uh, I'm or not, a scouting yeah. report from the front office to see, you know, who they like and who they don't. Yeah, sure. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll call I'll, I'll call Carlos and have him uh, talk to somebody at Baseball America, and we'll find out. Or actually, <laughs> our minor league guys are great. Like Eric and those guys know people around the league way more than I do in terms of the of the guys who we've never seen before, the minor leaguers or the fringe types. Um, so I will uh, pick up the phone and call Eric every once in a while and say, "Hey, tell me about this guy." Um, but aside from that, anyway, we're, we've rambled too long on this podcast, but I, I appreciate it, Scott. It's it's fun to talk baseball because it's not always been that the last couple of months, so it's good to get back to it. It was nice to have some actual baseball moves, and I think the next 10 days to two weeks are going to be pretty crazy across the whole league. 
Again, we, we talked about Giancarlo and Otani. Uh, really, no free agents have signed. Like, And it hasn't even been they haven't signed. There's not even rumors, right, about oh, who's meeting with who. You have guys who are going to command upwards of you know, $90, $100 million. And you know, J.D. Martinez and Jake Arrieta, who's two years removed from being the Cy Young, and Darvish, and all these guys. And it's not even the, hey, his reps are meeting with teams one, two, and three. It's been... Uh, nothing's really going on, and Giancarlo might get traded, and Otani's people are probably going to meet with some teams this weekend, and that's about it. You know? Yep, that's uh, it's pretty dead, but it'll be picking up. And I have a feeling at some point in December there'll be an emergency podcast. I just don't know what it's going to be about, um, but I have a feeling something's going to like there'll be a trade or something will happen that will prompt us to scramble a bit. Uh, I just don't know what it's going to be yet. So that, that's that's the fun of it. We just don't we just don't know. That's uh, we enjoy that quite a bit. So we're we're getting there, folks. I promise. <laughs> Emergency <laughs> podcasts are never a bad thing. Uh, well, usually, they, usually. Yeah, I was going to say sometimes they are. <laughs> when the yeah, actually, you know, th- this time I, I didn't do an emergency podcast when the Braves lost thirteen prospects. It was more of a like. I think it was just because we knew it was coming. It wasn't like a random Tuesday. Everybody wakes up, kind of similar to the move to Cobb County, and it was like, oh shit! That one know? was out of nowhere. Yes. That <laughs> yeah. Was, uh... But other than that one, um, which is amazing, still on many levels. I it, remember yeah. that, and this is uh, we will end with this. I remember that I was at my uh, I was not yet at Talking Chop when that actually hit. Um, I was writing for a site on the Fan Sided Network, and uh, I was the first person, aside from Marietta Daily Journal, who actually broke the story. Which is amazing to this day that MDJ had that story before everybody else did. Um, yeah. But they broke it, and I was the first person that had it up after that because I literally just happened to see it come across at my desk at whatever it was, eight forty-five in the morning on a Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was just chaos for five hours straight. You, you like can that. imagine my face. So I live out here on the west. Oh, Coast, you were right? sleeping. I know so that. Yeah. It was three hours, three hours behind time. So let's say I woke up at seven thirty that morning or whenever it was. You can probably imagine my face as I'm half asleep and scrolling through my Twitter timeline and seeing what? that. I I would imagine I put on some pants and <laughs> and woke up pretty quickly that morning. Yeah, uh, it's been. It feels like it was a lifetime ago. It wasn't that long ago, actually? Kind of crazily. Anyway, well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it, man. We'll have to do it again shortly, as always. And uh, you're always you're always on call for emergency podcasts. So I think you know that. Yeah, I'm always around. It helps being on the West Coast too, in case we get some late night Sunday action or something like that. But it does. always it's around, always, always like coming on. It's always helpful when I can call you at midnight my time. And <laughs> you want a podcast? <laughs> yeah, you up? Um, anyway. <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. It's sort of a more baseball-leaning show this time around. I know I did. Please subscribe to the show, as always, on Apple Podcasts. We're also at SoundCloud, our host site, and every episode is on TalkingChop.com, so bookmark that. Visit us, read our stuff, read everybody's stuff, Ivan and Eric and Chris and Demetrius and everybody. Check us out, and we'll see you guys next week.